your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. WXDX-FM, Pittsburgh. This show is all about the Pirates right now. Well, except for Steeler OTAs and Steeler Minicamp and Steelers Rookie Minicamp, which just started, and the NHL Draft and the Stanley Cup Final and Steelers Camp when that starts and kickball and the million vacation days I intend to take. But otherwise, the focus of this radio program will be the Pirates and 70s music. 80s music, too. And 90s music. Old movie nostalgia by Caddyshack. Talk about strippers, because I haven't done that in a long time. But besides all that, it's pirates, pirates, pirates. Baseball, baseball, baseball. I want to make one thing perfectly clear. Not unlike Richard Nixon. I have a lot of respect for the Pirates players and how they get the most out of the limited talent on the roster. And I have a lot of respect for Clint Hurdle and him being the catalyst for overachieving like they are right now. But I hate the ownership because I can't stand the con and I can't trust them ever again, even a little bit, after they dismantled the 2015 team, the team that won 98 games in pursuit of nothing besides a bigger profit. So those are my feelings on the Pirates. And it doesn't make me any less of a Pittsburgher because I feel that way. Blind acceptance is a sign of stupid fools who stand in line like EMI! EMI! And if the Pirates come close this year, stay in contention, whatever, that only perpetuates the con. Sick Again, brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. The king of old school and informal Pittsburgh City kickball commissioner, John Steigerwald, joins me at 4.15. That's about 10 minutes or so away. Here's a tweet from Jason. They should play the video when Kutch comes up to bat. It's a good idea. Just ask the ump to delay things a little bit. There's going to be 19 pitching changes. Just say... To the ump, this video is going to be the same length as a pitching change. Who knows, by that time, one batter. I don't know who's starting for the Pirates tonight, but they might be ready for a pitching change. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, I wish you could hear the conversation in the office before the show. The, the stuff that gets talked about. Like today, Abby, Sean McDowell, and myself were debating the best work of Elton John. I believe that Funeral for a Friend slash Love Lies Bleeding represents his career best as a song. It kind of encompasses what I think he was going for, although for him it's a little on the rocky side. Goodbye Yellow Brick Road was a rocky sort of album. Well, part of it. It was a double album. And Rock of the Westies was a rocky kind of album. He became a lot more poppy after that, but uh, what a great career by him and what a tremendous live performer. See, now that's interesting talk. 
When they play the Kutch video, I don't give a rat's ass about none of that. Actually, that should be the pirate. That should have been the Pirates theme song after they dismantled the 2015 team. Funeral for a friend, love lies bleeding. Uh, let's go to Alex in Imperial. Alex, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Um, concerning uh, LeBron James and his ring chasing, don't you think that uh, considering LeBron James has had more NBA championship appearances and has more NBA championship rings than both Philadelphia and Houston combined, that they would be more ring chasing than he would be? I don't think people are going to see it that way. Do you? Um, I do. I think that he's he went to Miami and Miami got rings. Came back to you like LeBron, don't you? I love LeBron. Yeah, I think he's the best player ever. But what about this constant? What about this constant opting out of the contract and bouncing here, there, and everywhere, and fueling his own rumor mill and serving as Cleveland's de facto general manager? Don't you think that he has made it all about himself all the time? And don't you think that's a bad look for him at this point? If you're the best player, uh, basketball player in the world, wouldn't you? uh be susceptible to that kind of behavior too, and really, I don't know. We had the best. Win, if you win, we, I mean, we've like, had the best hockey Crosby. player in the world here from 1984 till now, nonstop, and none of them ever acted that way. Hockey and basketball are two different sports. Why? Because black men play basketball and white guys play hockey. No, are, you tr- they, are you trying to say the black man the is is hungry for attention? Is that a racist statement on your part? Are you? Are you? Because it sounds like it. It sounds like it. No, no, no. You're the one who said there was a difference between basketball and hockey. I think we're all God's children. <laughs> There's a cap in hockey. There's a cap in basketball. You stupid idiot! <laughs> that one even better than I could have hoped for. The reintroduction of the stupid idiot soundbite. Let's play. Let's play the other one, just because I think that guy deserves it too. This guy sucks. Yeah. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine is the number to call. Uh, if you're just tuning in, uh, Mason Rudolph was at Steelers rookie camp today, and he said Ben Roethlisberger texted him and wished him luck at the start of any camp. And he said he thinks they'll have a great relationship once camp starts proper and they're on the same team and in the locker room together. So, see, uh, Ben loves Mason Rudolph. I'm surprised there's not been more talk about the Matt Hasselbeck thing. Matt Hasselbeck is the guy who played quarterback for Seattle in Super Bowl 40, and Ben beat him. Not one of Ben's you know greatest games statistically, but Ben beat him. And Matt Hasselbeck said that Ben's interview about Mason Rudolph was the epitome of immaturity and selfishness. Uh, That's a little gutsy for Matt Hasselbeck after losing to Ben in Super Bowl Forty. Then again, losing to Ben in Super Bowl Forty does not deprive him of his opinion. I just think it's a horse crap opinion for a guy who lost to Ben in Super Bowl Forty. But uh, the Ben thing that... uh, I don't care what he said. I don't care what he said. I don't care that Phil Kessel didn't talk, and I still 
am just hip deep in the irony that people are mad because Phil didn't talk and they're mad because Ben did talk. What do you want? One or the other. Pick one. And Bill Polian, the former NFL executive, uh, went the other way and said, and I agree with this totally, everything that Ben Roethlisberger said about Mason Rudolph was perfectly legitimate. Could he have said it in a different, more public relations sort of way? Maybe, but who cares? This will have zero impact on the Steelers' locker room. I agree with that so many times. When we try to project controversy into the locker room, and I do it because this is the business I've chosen. But uh, it, it just doesn't cause trouble in the locker room. We just don't know about the locker room. We pretend we do, and I will continue to pretend I do. But we don't. Well, and Mason Rudolph said, I don't feel I need to prove anything to anyone other than the coaches. You know what that means, don't you? Mason Rudolph said, F you, Ben, F you. <laughs> John Steiger, what up next? The Kickball King, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Just all kinds of loose women. Women in various states of moral decay. <laughs> I wasn't kidding. The X at 105.9. I'm joined now by the king of old school and informal Pittsburgh area kickball commissioner. Yes. He is the uh, 40-year broadcasting veteran, author of two books, John Steigerwald. My big question, Stag, is what do you have against organized kickball? I, I like the concept. I have nothing against it. It just it just I I'm stunned that no if look, if you're playing kickball at the company picnic, you know, and the the, the, the everybody's playing, the men and women together and people who can't play are playing and it's big you know, it's fun and people are drunk and who cares? What I'm talking about is I cannot imagine a grown man being involved in a co-ed organized kickball league, unless you're there oh, okay, to pick okay. up meet, meet women, and then it's, let, let me stop you. Yeah. So your complaint is with kickball so much as it is with taking it seriously. No, no, co-ed sports. No, no, no. Co-ed sports. Because co-ed sports is all over the place now. Yeah, I just don't want to play. Okay, I don't. What so, kickball or co-ed sports? No, I don't. If, neither uh, one. Neither. And certainly not co-ed. No, no. Listen, there there are some women out there who could who, who could beat the hell out of me in basketball, and and I I was a terrible basketball player. I don't want to play. Uh, and if they, they that's a little different. There are the women can play, but uh, you know I, I played for the Channel Four No Stars a long time ago, and we we that's had a softball. Correct. Yeah, we had a serious team, and we had ringers, and we wanted to win, and we would go. We barnstormed around all around Western PA, and we played all star teams, and you know when it fell apart. When the you know the the receptionist played third base, I said I'm not driving to Greensburg to look at that. I don't want to play that. That's fine if they want to have fun. I don't want to do it. It's not fun. I want to play serious ball, or I don't want to play. Well, co-ed sports is taking over, and yeah. it begs the question: Will we ever see professional co-ed sports uh. or big-time college co-ed sports like basketball? People laugh at that. I can see it. I wouldn't bet on it. But I wouldn't dismiss. Well, it. I can see. I don't see anything wrong with with somebody wants to start a league of mixed men and women's basketball. I think it might be interesting to watch. Well, That's tennis how, tennis mixed doubles lends itself yeah, to being interesting. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't bother me. Well, when I I tweeted yesterday that it scares me. I I try to picture the guys I hung out with when I was in my twenties and early thirties going down somewhere to instead of playing softball or flag football, which we played in serious leagues, going down to play kickball. I, I just it just 
it, it made me fear for the hus- the history of, or the the future of our uh, gender. Just sorry, I did. Uh, Kutch is back in town tonight with the yeah. Giants. Yeah, I'm more interested in the attendance than I am the score because so far this season, paid attendance of Pirates games is down half from last year and down almost two thirds from 2015. They better start getting people to show up. If people do show up tonight to see Kutch, they better win and bring them back. And remember, you can't take weather into account too much there because those the, those the attendance figures that they gave for those nights with the horrible weather tickets sold. Yeah, and those sold those tickets were sold in advance, so you weren't going to get a good walk up anyway. If you would have had a nice night, you weren't going to get more than a couple thousand people. So unless it's a red hot team and it's too yeah, early yeah, for it to be a truly red hot team, happening. although they're, they're doing okay. So, so I I don't know what to expect tonight, but. Um, uh, I heard you say thirty thousand. That's a hell of a crowd if they get thirty thousand. They wouldn't get that if he's not in town. Yeah, They'd get sixteen. But but I think it's important they win if they have that many people there. I think it's important they win. Period. Because that's all people want to see. Right. We, we we debate about giveaways and fireworks and having a band play after and cuts coming back. Winning teams draw money. But here's what happens, Mark. The people who were there not tonight because this weekend doesn't count because of McCutcheon coming back, but. This season, most of the most of the people who are going to be at Pirate Games are the people who were there through the twenty year um, uh, drought and couldn't care less. They they didn't care about winning. They right. went they, there. They're just going to go. Period. They're going whatever because, their reasons are because they're old and they want to bring their sons and their grandsons to the game. Maybe they kids. don't know where they're at. That too. They could maybe be they think that's Paul Wayner out there. They might, but they're they're not. They're not coming because they, because they have a great interest in seeing the Pirates succeed as much as they like the atmosphere. They think that you're, that's what you're supposed to do in the summertime, and they could have had a 50-year drought, and those people would continue to show up, and that's why they got away with doing it, because there are enough of those people out there who will keep paying the money and make it possible for the, the ownership to make a profit. And they're always going to be there, no matter how bad we've seen that, right? How much worse can you get than being the worst team in North American sports history 20 years in a row? And they still were putting enough people in there to make money. Why, why would you ever have any incentive to win? We're talking to John Steigel, and he's brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Count on a name you can trust. Where does Kutch rank among all-time Pirates stag? He's not a statue guy, is he? No. Uh, he's. Um, I think he's way below Clemente, Stargell, Paul Wayner, Hannes Wagner. Um, I think he's Al Oliver. So yeah. end, which is who's a, who's a guy who's a borderline or, or, Hall of Famer. Or Dave Parker. Yeah, I don't think he's as good as Dave Parker, but... Um, Parker got fat and did other things, and so did I. Yeah, no, but I mean, you weren't playing for the Pirates. Well, he, he, okay, he, uh, he, uh, the numbers that Parker put up early in his career when he was McCutcheon's age, uh, he was winning batting titles and MVPs. He was, he was, he was a stud. Dave he was Parker. never MVP, was he? Oh yeah, Parker he, was MVP. Yes, and and um, he was a uh, guy with thirty home runs and hit three thirty and. Great, uh, much better defensive outfielder than McCutcheon. Um, so I would, I, I, I think he's a good comparison. And that's no, that's not a, a slight. Al Oliver was a great player. He had about twenty eight hundred hits. Played for a long time. Hit nothing but line drives. Was a decent center fielder. I think he's a good comparison. You're right. Two batting titles for Parker. Nineteen seventy eight NL MVP. Nineteen seventy nine All Star. Yeah. Game MVP. Yep. Now, see, I, I, I think Kutch can't be top five. I, I think can't top, be no can't be yeah. can't be. I think that's Clemente, Kiner, Bonds, Wagner, and Stargell in some order, and he never won. So maybe that pushes him out of the top ten too. Like guys like Pie Trainer, the Wayner brothers, Paul and Lloyd, uh, 
Even guys like Garky Vaughn and Kai Kai Kyle or Bill Mazeroski. Yeah. People don't remember them clearly. In fact, those half those guys, there's nobody alive that saw them play. Right. But their numbers in Hall of Fame status can't be denied. No, and they can't be compared to... You, you, you look at... I, I, for some reason, I was looking up Paul Wayner, who I never really paid that much attention to not too long ago. I looked at his stats. Uh, he and Lloyd Wayner playing in the same outfield, brothers. They had like 6,000 hits between them. That's pretty good. I don't know if they're going to can find that anywhere else. And uh, and and um, from what I've been told, I know obviously I'm, I'm old, but I'm not old enough to have seen Paul Wayner. Uh, he was a tremendous defensive outfielder. Now, you know who leads the Pirates all time? All time. In on-base percentage, slugging oh. percentage, and, of course, then OPS. Take a guess. No idea. Well, guess? Uh, All-time gonna... in what the stat geeks think are the three most significant categories. Paul Wayner? Nope. Not Clemente. Brian Giles. Um, how many years? Uh, 700 and some games. Wow. That's like, what, five years? Yeah. Five or six. Now, if the numbers are all that matter, and we get told that by the baseball geeks all the time, mm-hmm. Correct. Is Brian Giles a top five pirate? No, no. But I mean, okay, those, what those about num- the numbers? Yeah, the numbers are there. Uh, what about top ten? I, you know, I mean, what if about you wanna, better than Kutch? Yeah, well, that's uh, uh, he did seven hundred games. How many games has McCutcheon played? I mean, seven hundred is not a lot. Kutch played really, twice as many. Five years would be eight hundred games. Kutch played twice as many. Okay, so I think, but like if you compare the numbers, Kutch needs an umbrella because Giles, you know what. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. But now, now, is there? If, if you can, you pick out a five-year window of McCutcheon and compare him to. You know, does he compare favorably any? Because because uh, five uh, seven hundred some games is not five years would be eight hundred games. So it's that's it's a small window. But he was pretty good, and he was one of the biggest jagoffs ever to play. Who, Brian Giles? Yeah. Any sports? Here's what's great about Brian Giles. One of the biggest jerks ever, and not even probably in the top five jerks in that particular pirate locker room. <laughs> That's right. Okay, I, I think he was my third. That's I used to go to the games in the press box back then. Yeah, not very often, but I would go to the clubhouse. Let me tell you something. When I think of Brian Giles, think what an ass he was, and how obviously he used performance enhancing drugs with the lantern jaw, the Frankenstein forehead, nipples like erasers. He might have had some back knee going for him too. I don't remember. And, and as much as I didn't like Brian Giles, I get warm and fuzzy thinking about him when I think of Mike Williams. Yeah, or Jason Kendall. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was a bad group, man. You know what? But I covered the 79 Pirates, and, you know, we are family, and everybody think that was a wonderful group. There were about six, five or six, maybe maybe ten guys on that team who were good guys. The rest of them were not, okay? No, but they weren't. And Willie Stargell was one who was not. Willie Stargell was a phony. And he, when he came back here as a coach, he was a different man. But when he was, when he was in 79, he was not a good guy. The Penguins are out. How do not you rate, the media, anyway. How, how do you rate their season? Uh, well, disappointing because of, it's you know because of the expectations that were raised, but not condemnable. You know, I mean, it's what do you they 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 they, you know, they, they, they won they went nine to the playoff round. series in a row. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what can you do? Uh, they, they lost to a real good team too. See, that's what 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 is a bit unfair uh, as far as I'm concerned. People who are disappointed is that. People think, oh, they always beat the Caps. How could they not beat the Caps this time? I didn't buy one bit of that. In the three series that they played, uh, 16, 17, and 18, there were 19 games. The Penguins won 10. The Capitals 9. The Capitals outscored the Penguins 
52 to 50. Those teams were as evenly matched as two teams could possibly be. So you and I talked about it. I said, it's a fit. people said, who do you think is going to win? I said, no, nobody can predict who's going to win. You can't even, you can analyze it all you want. It's a 50 50 proposition. It's going to be a bounce. There were two games. One game where, uh, where Horn, I can't remember which game, uh, game three, whatever, Hornquist's goal that was not a goal. That w- that didn't go over the line by an eighth of an inch, and then the goal later when Malkin dove and that did go over the line, and that had to be looked at on a microscope, and it was two inches over the line, and it wasn't originally considered a goal. Two games swung on those plays I just described there with a puck, with, whether it was an inch or two over the line. That's that, and and it was a four-two, you know, series, and even the even game six was a close game. It was it was overtime. You know, it's funny. There were so many little moments that that could have swung that series, maybe did. Uh, for example, Penguins led one nothing late in the first period of Game 5, which they ultimately lost. Yep. And they were badly outplaying Washington, and Braden Holpe was standing on his head. Dominic Simone, who I think is useless, took an offensive zone penalty. Oh, that was dumb. And the Caps scored on the power play, and then less than a minute later, and the game totally turned on its ear. I wonder what happens if Simone doesn't take that penalty. Yeah, that's one thing you look at. But I look at another one too, and, and they all it all runs together with me now. Which game it was? But there was a, uh, I think it might have been game one, which the Penguins won. Correct? Yeah. Yes. Uh, um, Ovechkin had a wide open net and looked like he shot he, it wide. Yeah, way, way wide, and, he, and that he doesn't do that, and that that could have changed. I think I don't know. That if would that have made it two nothing Washington. Yeah, and that could have been a huge difference. Could have made a shorter series. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was evenly matched and. And one team won, one team didn't. Now, I hate the Flyers, and I'm not crazy about Washington either, but I've got to give Alexander Ovechkin credit as a talent. He is a generational goal scorer in an era where it's tougher to score goals than ever. And let's see how he does now in the third round. Finally, I really am curious because even when the Capitals came up short, I don't ever feel like he did no. stack. I, I, I didn't think it was his fault they lost. I thought... Everybody else let him down, not vice versa. No, and if you look at his numbers, his playoff numbers are good. It's not. It'd be different if he was like a, a, a McCutcheon in the playoffs and no home runs and no RBIs, and you know you could look at him and say he didn't come through. But he he has the numbers. I don't see how you can watch a Capitals game, playoffs or otherwise, and watch Ovechkin and and think that he's anything but the force in the game for them. He's just he's he's terrifying. If you're if you're the opposing team, every time he touches the puck, he scares the hell out of you. You know what the Penguins did do a good job at, and, and there were some some holes in what they did or how they executed tactically. Yeah, but he didn't have a goal in the last three games, and they totally took away his shot on the power play. And I've never understood why. I'm that... not sure how they did it because they didn't man up on him. Well, they did one game, but he did exactly as I thought and went to the net, took the guy with him, and then the yeah. Penguins had to ditch that. But they cut that seam pass off. Yeah, no team's been able to do that. The Penguins did on the PK, and I've never understood why teams weren't able to do that. He, for the, to allow him to stand there and shoot that 150 mile like an I hour said, shot. If, if you man up, he goes down low and takes the guy with him. Yeah, but so I, you would, can't you, man would you up. rather have him down there than you than out there shooting at 150 miles an hour? You, you have to look at the way the rink set up when he's down low and the guy goes with him, because then everybody else on their power play has just an unbelievable yeah, amount of room. Yeah, yeah. Finally, Stag, if you played kickball, you wouldn't. No. But if you I did, would. I mean, I played it when I was eight out in the street. Okay, if you if you did play kickball, how would you kick the ball? Would you side foot it like soccer style, or would you just put your foot right through it like Tom Dempsey? I, I had some speed, so I I would I would try to plop it into the outfield and take the extra base. You know what? You know what? The then best, I'd throw up because I was playing. But I, I would love to go see kickball because you know what? I bet people doing these kickball leagues. 
I bet they bunt. No, that's funny you said, Mark. I, I went on YouTube to look at kickball because because I, I the discussion on Twitter yesterday. It's exactly what they do. Go go on YouTube and find kickball, and then you see. So they so they like kind of just like they, they tap the ball toward the third base person, and that person picks it up and throws it tries to throw it to first base. If you have any speed at all, you should be because uh, that's tough to throw. They throw never throw me out. out. If I if, when I, I was fast, if I would I washed that and I said if I did that, I'd never be out. There's see, no way now, they're throwing now, I, me out. I will say, even though I disagree with kickball as a challenge to the yeah. nation's masculinity, yeah. I will say this: right, if. Anybody would bunt a kickball game. Yeah. I think everybody on both teams should attack them and just kick the hell out of them. They would if it was all men. I don't know if you're gonna, if you have you know. By the way, I I have to get moving here because I'm uh, I'm involved in a uh, pin the tail on the donkey league that I I'm, I have a big game tonight, big match tonight. So I want to get down there. And then we're gonna bob for apples after that. So I have that too. That's John Steigerwall brought to you by Matt Martz Plumbing. It's a free phone Friday. Anything you'd like to talk about is okay. Who 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 did that? There was some lazy talk. Well, just call 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark? Yes? I have a crush on you. What a gutless bitch the Hebrew hammer is. We keep it real. What a bubblehead. The X at 105.9. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. He's brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, have you ever played organized co-ed sports? Um, let's see. Organized? No, I don't believe so. Maybe at college I played a little bit, but it, it wasn't that organized. Have you ever played kickball? Oh yeah. Loved kickball as a kid. Well, as, as a kid, when's the last time you played kickball? Probably eighth grade, maybe eighth or ninth grade. What's your take on organized kickball here in Pittsburgh, which apparently is a is a uh, capital for the sport. I got no problem with it. Um, and um, I'm a- well, I have no problem with it. I mean, I'm I'm not John Steigerwald. <laughs> he seems upset about the mere presence of kickball. He does. The last two days, he's been on a mission. Well, let's stay with co-ed sports. What, what's your take on that in general? Because it is proliferating, and I see nothing wrong with it, but I don't see how it could possibly be as competitive. Then again, I've seen co-ed deck hockey. It is competitive, but the women's deck hockey... There are some women in Pittsburgh that can really play, and I think their games against each other are more competitive. Well, let's. I, dif- I just think men versus men, women versus women, is going to be more competitive. Absolutely, but let's differentiate here. I think that um, you know a lot of the people I think Mark that do the co-ed. I think that they also have an outlet for the competitive side. Also, I think that these are people who you know they want to stay active, they want to stay fit. Maybe they don't want to do forty-five minutes, an hour and a half in a gym somewhere. But you know, two, three games of kickball, maybe a game of basketball or softball here, you know, to spread out through the weekend. That's what they're looking for, and plus. If you've got the competitive thing, that's what you're all about. There's definitely sports leagues that you can take care of. Or, look, growing up, Mark, how many times did you put together like a backyard football game, a backyard basketball game or something like that? You're always going to have that. If you want the social aspect of it, you play, you meet some people, you go out and you have some beers after that. We've got a number of people who do that in the office, and they love it. I think we may even have a marriage out of a, a, a PSL. Who's that? Rolling. I think Dan. Dan in our office here. I think he may have met somebody through that league. Inspirational. <laughs> Unless it ends bad. Right. He was doing it purely for the social. Now, uh, are you going to Kutch night tonight? I am not going to Kutch night. I've, well, okay, I've, let's make an official prediction. We've we've bandied this about. What's your prediction for attendance? I say 35. And remember, we do have our bet going. I looked up sellout. Sellout is 38. Legit. You said sellout. I said 20 sellout. 20 bucks. You said sellout. 
Right, but if they announce it as a sellout at like 35-5 or 36, that still counts. If Plus, it's a non-sellout, I'll give you that. Okay. But uh, I'm predicting 29-5, which would still be pretty good. 29, so, okay. No, it is good. Look, the traffic's out there already, Mark, so you know a lot of people are going to the game. There's already inbound, and it's been backed up for about an hour. So, Bob, it, it's always backed up this time of day. Not inbound on a Friday. It's never this bad. It, I mean, outbound. Maybe they're going to the River Hans game like I am. Maybe they have a kickball game. Now, uh, you, you watched a bit of Nashville-Winnipeg last oh, night. Yes, I did, and I laughed out loud. Pecorine just blew it, let in two of the softest softies you could in the first period, got pulled earlier in a game seven than any goaltender in NHL history. If you are Nashville with Renee now, a four-time Vezina finalist, but constantly flopping in the playoffs, do you make a change at goaltender? If you're Columbus, Sergei Bobrovsky, the Vezina winner just last season, but has never won a playoff series, do you make a change in goal? That's a great question. And when you brought it up in the 3 o'clock hour, I, I actually was sitting here thinking about it while some people were on hold. Um, I, I understand why you would do it, but I think if you've got a four-time Vezina guy, and he, he's, he's probably going to win it this year in Pecorine, um, I don't know how you cut him loose, even though he was absolutely awful last night. That second goal he gave up, Mark, did you notice? He looked right at the bench right away. Like, I don't know if it was a plead or a plea, like, hey, take me out. I don't have it tonight. Or if it was just kind of like putting the head down going, okay, I await your call. I know I'm done tonight. I don't have it. Um, I, I, I would not, if I was a GM or a coach, I would not make that call just because it's, a huge point of getting your team into the playoffs and you're counting on them. But I do understand the question because what do you do when you pull your Vezina trophy, your Vezina candidate out? You're, you're probably, well, here's the thing. You don't know that the next guy, whether it's juicy Saros with uh, Nashville or whoever Columbus has as their backup or could get, you don't know that the next guy's going to be better in the playoffs. It really is a tough decision but I've seen enough of both those goalies to know they're not going to ever win a Stanley Cup. Ever would, win a Stanley Cup. Would it be valid for me to say I would do something like what Washington did when Holpe was faltering? You pull him out for two or three games, you put him back in and see how he does. It would be better than what happened. Yeah. Because it's amazing that Rene's been pulled in six of his 18 playoff games. Oh, and when you saw those goals last night, you knew exactly why he got the, uh, he got the uh, hook that early. They were terrible. Uh, Steelers rookie camp has started. Huzzah. <laughs> and uh, Mason Rudolph says that Ben sent him a good luck text today before the start of rookie camp. I guess all is well. All is well. Good for Ben. Good for Mason Rudolph to make that known. Oh, the whole thing was a tempest it, in a teapot, wasn't it? It really was, like we talked about at the beginning of the week. Ben's got a certain sense of humor. Sometimes people don't get it. And That's some, right. That's and, right. And it can be biting. And he likes to jerk around with the media sometimes. You know he's ripping on the square. I, I, and plus it's on a radio show. Mark, he doesn't want to just go out there. Ben's not going to go out there and just give these canned answers. No, no, he's very good. I wish we had that show. Quite honestly, exactly. He's he does a good job on the radio. There's show. a lot of reasons they do. None of which I'll go into here. Right. Well, do you have the number of reasons? And none of which reflect badly on Ben, or really reflect badly on anybody. On us, right? Exactly. Um, but, but there's a reason. Right. And, and I thought that they both played it perfectly. Mike Pursuit is the first to point out that reason to me. <laughs> So ask him. Yeah, it, he's at uh, at Mike DVE, right? Or at DVE Mike, if you want to ask him on Twitter. Go up to him in person. He likes that. 
Well, getting back to what Rudolph and Ben did, I think that it's handled perfectly both ways. I think that they're both on the same page right now. Um, I saw one well, quote. It's like, Bob, I can't believe people were mad about what Ben said, and I saw some of the same people on Twitter mad that Phil didn't talk. You can't be mad at both. You either want them to talk or you don't. You either want them to be honest or you don't. But, Mark, think of how juicy that story is, though. Think about Ben Roethlisberger, two-time Super Bowl champion, definite Hall of Famer. Steelers go out and they pick a guy who's big, who's got a big arm, who can throw dupe, who had an incredibly prolific college career. And he comes out and says something like that. You know, you're just chumming the water right now. You know that they were coming up the feed. That's Bob McLaughlin brought to you by 84 Lumber. In just a moment. Oh, my God. Did I even put together? Let me shuffle my endless. Oh, I did. I forgot what it was. It's actually not very good, but I'm going to do it anyway in 30 seconds here on 105.9.